and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Jack Anstein. And I'm Casey Murray. On today's episode, we'll chat with the founder of a Kansas City-based teledentistry company to discuss the rise of virtual dentist appointments during the pandemic. And later on, we'll hear from the owner of a Hannibal restaurant to discuss the decisions entrepreneurs are making as they run businesses in parts of the state that don't require face masks. Plus, we'll have this week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. Jack, I'm a little sad because this is our last podcast before we take a little hiatus. I know, we'll have a few weeks off, but it'll be nice to get a little break as well. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to just hang out a little bit before the school year starts. Yeah, what will you be doing? It's actually probably won't end up being that much of a break because I'm going to start one of my online classes, but what about you? I'll be moving into a new apartment and using the free time to get outside more, go on runs, go to the pool. So I'm going to try to enjoy myself. Yeah, we definitely need to appreciate our time before we get super busy again. But with that, let's get into the headlines. Kansas City-based venture capital firm Firebrand Ventures is merging with a Colorado-based firm called Blue Note Ventures and is expected to create a larger platform for founders. The merger will expand the Firebrand 2 fund and allow the firm to lead seed rounds. The firm will focus on a geographic region that includes Chicago, Austin, Texas, and Boulder, Colorado. The Cortex Innovation District is looking for an executive to lead its efforts around diversity and inclusion. The St. Louis Business District, which is a hub for early-stage technology companies, will hire a vice president of equity and inclusion to help it craft more inclusive policies and procedures. The deadline to apply is September 1st. A new entrepreneurship grant program will award 30 to 40 microgrants of up to $2,000 to help aspiring Kansas City entrepreneurs start new businesses. Called Startup Assets for Economic Opportunity, or Safe Opportunity, the program aims to reduce individuals' involvement in violent activities and increase household income in the Kansas City area. The grants come amid a rise in the Kansas City homicide rate to 116. The program is being administered in partnership between the Community Capital Fund, an organization that invests in underdeveloped Kansas City neighborhoods, and the Kansas City Health Department. St. Louis-based car sales startup iAutoAgent has gained two new investors to expand the Springfield market. iAutoAgent is designed to perform the entire selling or buying process for a client's vehicle. The new investors, Michael Witt and Damon Overbo, are both entrepreneurs with experience in the software industry and will be recreating the iAuto agent platform in Springfield. The new operations are expected to begin within the next 90 days. So Jack, have you had to cancel any plans because of the pandemic? Oh, of course I have. From my school going online to canceling some family plans. What about dentist appointments? I think I had one planned in the spring that ended up getting canceled. Why do you ask? Well, many people had appointments with healthcare providers canceled. 
In order to limit the number of people that would be in a hospital or around those that potentially have the coronavirus, many elective procedures and non-essential doctor's visits were pushed back. That's led to an increased demand for telehealth. I've heard of telehealth, but I've never done a virtual doctor's appointment myself. How does it work? Instead of going to a doctor's or dentist's office, you can conduct an appointment using a video conferencing technology. Maria Constetta, president and co-founder of the Teledentists, said her business has gotten thousands of calls since the start of the pandemic. Oh wow, that's a lot. Does it seem like this could change the dental industry outside of the virus? Well, Kelly Coleman spoke to Constetta to find out. Maria Kunstetter, president and co-founder of the Teledentist, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. So tell me a little bit about how the Teledentist was founded. Absolutely. I am a dentist and I've been a dentist for a long time. Um, and my story was a perfect storm for teledentistry. Um, I was invited to be the dental director of the Pains Alliance, which is a Kansas City-based group trying to address people with chronic pain when the opioid crisis came to started building. And I was in Washington, D.C. with this big group. And I was uh, listening to the speaker say over and over again, top 10 reasons people go to the emergency room always for pain. And toothaches were always in the top 10 reasons people go to the emergency room. And I kept thinking, well, that's crazy. There's no dentist in an emergency room. It's going to cost them thousands of dollars to go to an emergency room. Why do people do this? You know, that we need to do something better than this. And then found out that 1.7 billion healthcare dollars is spent in emergency rooms in 2014, 2015, was spent 2014, 15 on toothache codes alone. And again, it was just like, well, that's insane because there's no treatment given. Uh, they're not referred to a dentist when they leave. They spend you know, a couple thousand dollars sometimes. And all they do is walk out after waiting for hours with an antibiotic prescription and are back where they started because they don't know where to go. So at that meeting, I was sitting with a lot of physicians that were currently doing telemedicine and it just washed over me, you know, whoa, what we really need is a virtual dentist to be a teledentist to be able to be in all the wrong places people go for dental problems, emergency rooms, pharmacies, walk-in clinics, urgent cares, and a virtual dentist could be in all those places easily available whenever needed and be able to provide the right specialist for the right problem and get the patient to the right provider in a referral-based system and hence the teledentist was born. So what were some of the initial reactions you saw in your patients? Were they receptive to using telehealth services? Well, we were doing, we started out B2B, business to business. We were selling to hospitals, um, programs to use that for the patients that were coming into their services that needed a dentist. Um, and then, you know, while we were working on building up that business, COVID hit and people were locked down at home, had nowhere to turn except for to go to the teledentist if they had an oral health problem. And they were so grateful and appreciative. Um, first of all, they're terrified of COVID. Secondly, they're terrified of this pain's going to get worse. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to get help. And we've had a boom of business since COVID started with people that needed us and had no other options because they couldn't even leave their house. So it's been a real advantage. Uh, you know, one of the silver linings of this pandemic is teledentistry, telehealth has taken off because we could provide care for people in their homes without them having to go out. 
are there any specific numbers associated with that? Like, can you quantify exactly how that has grown your business? Oh my gosh. <laughs> We've grown thousand fold um, from March to, to the end of, of April. We had thousands of calls come in, you know, and we were ready. We had the, we have the network to be able to provide those services. It just made the, our network providers busier, but we've had thousands of calls um, and it's been wonderful. Um, you know, sometimes hundreds of calls a day in seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of people uh, and access to people to be able to talk to the oral health specialist. So it's been a great boon. Do you feel like you can expect to see a similar amount of business in the future now that people have kind of caught on and gotten used to this service? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I say the genie is out of the bottle. Um, people uh, right now it's predicted that 180 million people won't see a dentist this year because a 125 million didn't see a dentist last year. And then when you add the fear of COVID and then the downtime that people spent not going in, we're now up to 180 million people that don't get oral health advice and recommendations and consultations. So I, I think that before, before COVID, we call it BC, Life BC, I think that we had a huge market of 125 million people that needed access to oral health care and advice and recommendations. And now we've just added to the number of people um, that need us uh, even more. So I think that it's, we've touched the tip of the iceberg because now people are aware the services are available. We've had big payer companies. Um, we have contracts with a couple really big health insurance companies being their teledental provider. And we're in, we're in negotiations with several other big companies to be uh, provide teledentistry for their members. So I think the numbers are only going to go up. Um, again, there was a study done in November of 19 <clears throat> that showed 78% of the people surveyed anticipated having a teledental consult. They didn't see it as a niche uh, market. They just saw it as a logical way of contacting and getting answers to questions and help with problems in the dental arena. So that was before COVID hit. And now that people have heard teledentistry and the people that have come to our site are so uh, very satisfied with the service, I think that people are going to use it more and more um, as time goes on. And it's really a, a, a Gen Z or kind of thing that they don't have to take time off from work. They can get you on the phone. They can, you know, they can talk to a person without leaving their uh, desk or their, or their house. And, uh, you know, the younger generations are adapting to this kind of care a lot faster as well. Well, Maria, thank you for joining me today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for having me and good luck. Be safe. We'll get back to Speaking Startup in a moment, but now a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of starting a business or selling services or products part-time? Then it's time to jumpstart your business. On Thursday, August 13th from 7 to 8.30 p.m., the Columbia Entrepreneurship Alliance will be hosting a free Jumpstart Your Business workshop to help budding entrepreneurs get going. Whether you're jumping in with both feet or just testing the waters with a side gig, this free session will get you plugged into all of the community resources, cost-free government support, and networking opportunities for new enterprises and entrepreneurs. Sign up at startmo.biz. 
Again, the event is on Thursday, August 13th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And you can reserve your seat at startmo.biz. We hope to see you there. We will now turn our attention to entrepreneurs and face masks. Many municipalities across Missouri require people to wear face masks in public places, including businesses, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, as the pandemic has gone on, I feel like people are becoming more and more accustomed to wearing face masks in their everyday life. But there are parts of the state where face masks are not required, meaning it's up to business owners to choose whether to enforce the use of face masks in their establishment. And how's that going? Well, I spoke with Tara Hausman, the owner of Hannibal-based Gabriella's Authentic Mexican Restaurant, and she said that many businesses in Hannibal, including her own, do not require face masks from customers or employees. Let's take a listen to her perspective on this decision. I'm joined with Tara Hausman, the owner of Gabriella's Authentic Mexican Restaurant in Hannibal, Missouri. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Can you tell me a bit more about your business? Um, we just serve Mexican authentic food. Everything's homemade. We're open uh, seven days a week. Um, you know, we, we stay pretty busy. Hannibal's a good tourist town, so. So during the pandemic, what are some changes you made when you reopened? Um, as a restaurant owner, um, we of course had guidelines that we had to meet. Um, keeping t people seating six feet apart. Two, we wore gloves and it's not just wearing gloves. You have to change them every time you touch something. Like it was, it was hard to just keep people coming in the door, keeping them groups six feet apart, tables six feet apart. And are the use of face masks required at your restaurant? We did not have to wear the masks. Um, we were not re regulated to do so. Um, especially for me, my kitchen staff speaks Spanish. So if they can't see our, our mouths, they, they really don't know what we're saying. So masks were going to be really hard if they were mandated. If we wore a mask, we'd be going in there and whether or whatever we were touching out here, we'd be touching our own faces to pull it down so that we could speak to them. So, I mean, you know, the mask thing, I agree with it and I don't agree with it. There's like a double-sided feeling on that, but here it would be really extremely hard to wear a mask. As far as you're aware, how are most businesses in Hannibal handling the use of face masks? The only one restaurant that I know in town that's implementing the masks is the Chinese restaurant. Um, but other than that, you know, none of them are doing the mask thing at the time. You know, we do have a lot of people come in with a mask and then they come in, they sit down and then they remove their mask to eat. I feel if someone wants to wear a mask, they can wear a mask. Um, I have had people come in wearing a mask and they see we don't have a mask and they will turn around and walk back out. Do you think if you required face masks to be worn at your restaurant that it would help reduce the risk of contracting the virus? You're trying to eliminate any more contamination of the virus. But if it's not implemented right, then it's, it's a pointless cause. Our store, I can see. But when you're sitting down to eat, the people that are eating are taking off their mask. As a business owner, how do you feel about the potential for face masks to be mandated at your restaurant? I have thought about it because I really thought they were going to mandate that on us. And I think it should be optional because if people have a right to go to a restaurant. They're choosing to go out in the public, okay? They're choosing to come into a restaurant. Whether they have a mask or not, they still have to take it off to eat. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I think it shouldn't be a mandatory thing because um, it's almost too hard to implement. I just wish people would realize what all of us small businesses went through with this COVID. We're dealing with a lot. We're trying to come out of being shut down for two months. We're, we're being up and we're being limited. So just be patient with us. We're doing the best we possibly can to even have, be open. You know, we're, we're putting ourselves at risk too. You know, you guys are choosing to walk in here. We are staying open because we are providing for our families. That's our job. Um, 
And so just, just, I wish people would be a little bit more understanding on just the whole aspect of all these small businesses, you know. Thank you so much, Tara. Have a good one. Right. Well, good luck. to get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. The digit I've chosen is 100,000. Why did you choose 100,000? The Kansas City Minority Business Resiliency Grant will provide $100,000 to help minority-owned businesses that were excluded from initial COVID-19 relief funds. The grant will provide up to $5,000 to at least 20 businesses in the Kansas City area. Funding is provided by the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. What digit did you pick? I chose 40,000. Why is that? According to a study by the Institute of Justice, a libertarian advocacy group, occupational licensing has cost Missouri about 40,000 jobs. The study says this is because the costs and red tape to get a license can amount to a sizable barrier, preventing some people from entering a field if a license is required. Governor Mike Parson recently signed into law the Expanded Workforce Act, a bill that is supposed to make achieving these licenses easier. The goal of the law is to promote job creation and entrepreneurship. The bill was supported by several prominent groups, including the Institute for Justice and the Women's Foundation. And that just about concludes our episode. We just need our closing thought. Let's listen to Tara Hausman with Gabriella's Authentic Mexican Restaurant discuss what she says is the most important part of running a business. The employees are the most important thing in your business. People always had said that you know, this person, this person's replaceable, I'll just hire someone else. But that's not the truth. It's not today in this world. So I just think people should probably appreciate their staff a little bit more, you know, pay them what they're worth and your business will run a lot smoother. That's all we've got for this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Anstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.